Welcome to Joy Christian Center. We're so glad you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, please join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. Our services last about an hour. We pray that today's message will inspire and challenge you. again. Welcome. Thanks for being with us. We are, as I mentioned earlier, on part five of a series that we're calling Living Large. And uh, I only half kiddingly say that this has been my favorite series uh, uh, in a long time, to be totally honest with you. But it's been extremely challenging also in the regards that there's a ton of information. And every single one of these things that we have talked about over the last uh, four weeks could really be its own series Uh, when we talk about faith and wisdom and different things like that. And uh, we've chosen to do something, and I know that you're all excited about it. We've chosen to kind of start this uh, uh, series in this way, and we've been doing this now for the last several weeks, and so there's no sense stopping it now. So here we go with a little bit of filling in the blanks, and part of the reason we're doing this is because I'm trying to help you fill in the blanks of your life and your spiritual walk with the Lord. And so here we go. We have something for you this morning, and the first one is a product. Give us a letter, please. There we go. You can buy this for $49.95. No, all right, we got another letter. There we go. I think Angela Paulson got this by now. What's wrong with all of you? Give us another one. I see confused looks. That's awesome. The Rosetta Stone, there it is, all right. Notice how there's just, you know, as exactly Rosetta Stone. Go ahead and give us the next one. The opposite of the Rosetta Stone, it's just something that's opposite. What? An antonym, here we go. Well, there we go. Oh, you guys are awake, the coffee just kicked in. All right, awesome. Here we go with the next one. This is a person, it's not Pastor Brian. One more letter. Somebody's going to get it. I just know it. Okay, maybe not. Another one. Noah Webster. There we go. I took one extra letter. Noah Webster. He's famous for something. 
It's a dictionary, all right? Webster's Dictionary. All right, we got one more. This is a movie quote. Piece of gravy. Because last week, you guys got the nursery rhyme before we even put up a thing, so we decided to make this a little bit more difficult. Go ahead, give us a couple of letters. We probably need a, a few of them. I love it. You guys are thinking, what is this? This is a quote from a movie. <laughs> Go ahead, give us it. There it is. There it is. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth from the movie Rush Hour? I think it was with a little bit different inflections there. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Anyway, Noah Webster. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? The Rosetta Stone. All has to do with, with something in particular. And, and what would that be? Words, language, speech, those kinds of things. Exactly. And that's where we're going to go this morning. And... Uh, as we go there this morning, testing, testing, there we go. Uh, I, it, as I mentioned, this has been a challenging series because each, each lesson has kind of built on the preceding one. And so uh, I, I, it's difficult for me to kind of move on without giving some background or at least a little bit of history as to where we've been to help connect because I think about this all week and I know that you think about this from week to week and then just because of life sometimes people aren't here part of the reason that we encourage you to go online get these messages because just because you may have heard it one time doesn't mean you got all of it I encourage you to go back into that you know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and so hearing these things will help you to retain them and keep them in the pressure moments of your life and so I just want to talk about a couple of things real quickly in Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 13 it says that he will love you. How many of you know that God loves you? And everything that we're talking about is predicated on the idea that God loves you as his own children. God loves you. And because he loves you, God loves you. He will love you and, everybody say and, he's not done loving you. He will love you and bless you. How many of you want God to bless you? And not only will he bless you, he will love you and bless you and increase you. How many of you would like to be increased? Amen. Some of you are maybe on, you know, we're on a day, day 29. Maybe some of you are on day 29 of decreasing certain parts of your life. But God wants to increase other parts of your life. And, and he's talking to Israel, an agrarian society. And so he, he's talking about what's important to them. He says, I'll increase your grain. I'll increase your flock. I'll increase all of the things that concern your life. And, and, and I believe that we can take this to mean that God wants to because he loves us. He wants to bless us. And he wants to increase the parts of our life that are are important to us so much so that not only are we blessed but the people around us are blessed as well in the book of Psalms, chapter 115 it says may the lord give you great increase this is the amplified bible may the lord give you great increase you and your children or the people that are closest to you and so this alerts us to something that god wants to bless you and he wants to increase you because he loves you but he wants you to have more not just so you can have more but so that the people around you can be blessed by the increase of your life now perhaps you're brand new to us or you're brand new to church or, or maybe you're hearing something that you're like, man, that, I, I've never heard anything like that before. That's part of the reason I want to keep going back 
and proving to you from the Bible that this is what God wants to do. But I don't have time for that. And, and, and so I encourage you, please go and listen to these messages because they will bring a blessing into your life. And so I know that some of us think, well, God can do anything that he wants to do. And he can do anything. Amen. But for some reason, he's chosen to work with us. He wants to partner with us. He expects us to do what we can do, and then he steps in to do what only he can do. We've mentioned this scripture the last couple of weeks in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul said, Paul, uh, he said, Apollo, uh, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. We don't expect God to, to, to till the ground. We don't expect God to plant the seed, but yet he wants us to do what we can do and then he will do what only he can do. He wants us to partner together with him and that's why he's given us his word. That's why he's given us these principles. I've mentioned the scripture the last couple of weeks in, in 1 John chapter three. Won't put it on the screen this morning, but let me just remind you, Paul, or I'm sorry, John was praying and he, he said, beloved, I pray, I desire, I want this so badly for you. And as your pastor, I feel the same thing. I want this so badly for you. I pray, I desire that you would prosper in all things. We think prosperity just means money. He said, I want you to prosper in all things. There are parts of your life that have nothing to do with money. He said, I want you to, he, he, we, he wants us to prosper relationally. He wants to prosper in our work or on the job. He wants us to prosper in, in all of the things that concern us. And so in 2017, I believe that our theme should be that God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to increase. He wants us to, 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 to be blessed in all things. And then he goes on and be in health even as your soul prospers. Your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. And he said, I want the prosperity of your soul to increase to such a degree that it brings increase into your life, that it brings blessing into your life. Because there are some things, which is why we introduced the idea of spiritual laws. There are spiritual laws that God has set in motion, that God has set on in, in, into the, really the, 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 everyday living, we, we, we recognize and we understand there's natural laws, but we're so accustomed to those natural laws that we really don't give them a lot of consideration. My hope is, my prayer is, my desire is that we become so accustomed to the spiritual laws that we operate them and we're not even aware of it. It's just a way of life because we're a follower of Christ. And so we talked about faith. There is a law of faith. Now, I've been thinking about this, and, and, and uh, again, it's what I do. I think about this stuff. And so we under, I think we understand natural faith, first of all. But for some reason, when we walk into a church building and you hear a preacher, we get a different idea of what faith might be. But natural faith, natural human faith works like this. You receive information somehow. You receive information by the words that are spoken, something you read. You receive information. After you receive the information, there's a decision that you have to make about the information that you received. And that decision that you make, you could decide, you know what, I accept that. I believe that's true. You now have natural faith. If, if you're looking at this chair and you're thinking, I want to sit down. Now, again, we operate this law without even thinking about it. It looks pretty solid, so we're just going to sit down. But. If that chair was pretty rickety, if that chair was, was, you know, looked like it was about to fall apart, and then somebody said, it's okay, it doesn't look good, but you could sit on it, and it'll be fine. Now, you may, now, what have you done? You've received knowledge, you've received information. If you're like a lot of people, you might walk over to it and go like this, just to check it out. 
What did you do with the information? Well, I kind of believe it, but I don't trust it 100%. Or you might have said, because you trusted the person who said it to you, it's safe, it's okay. And maybe they're larger than you are. And so he's like, well, they sat on it, it must be okay for me. So, So you didn't even hesitate, you just sat down. What was that? That was faith. You received information, you believed the information you received, and so you acted on it. Now, we don't think about that process, but that's what happens in life. Now, if we carry that over into the spiritual realm, God has given us information. And you may approach approach that information. And maybe because, let's just say, you know, the, the information you've received this morning in just a few moments that God wants to bless you because he loves you and he wants, you, wants to increase you. Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe I have no credibility at all. Maybe the experience, in, in your opinion, or, and maybe the experience of your life would be counter to everything that I just said. And you're looking at that information, you're like, man, I, I don't know. I don't trust that information. But the moment you make a decision about the information that you received because you trust God and because you trusted his word. The moment you take the information from God and you accept it as the truth, in spite of what others may have said, in spite of how you feel, in spite of what your experience in the past has been, you decide, all right, God, you're smarter than I am. And I'm gonna decide that what you say is true regardless of my own experience in life. That's what Bible faith is. So Bible faith is based upon knowledge. It is based upon information that you receive or that you hear. Your decision about that information, I accept it as truth. Or it may be, it may be doubt. I need to hear just a little bit more. I don't quite fully understand. I'm not totally convinced. That's a position of doubt. Or you may just totally reject it. That is unbelief. Unbelief is a decision not to believe. Pastor Brian, that's stupid. I can't believe this church is talking about that. I don't believe God wants you to increase. What have you done? You've taken knowledge that you've heard and you have rejected it. You've put yourself in a position of unbelief. And so the law of faith is extremely important in your life. There there are decisions that you make whether or not to believe all the time. Every week, that you're in this service, you're receiving information and your judgment about the information that you received will become a great asset in your life or perhaps a liability in your life. You receive information every day of your life. Words that people say to you, limitations that people begin to place on you because of whatever it might be in your past or your present. And based on that Based on what you do with that knowledge, which then brings in the law of wisdom. Wisdom is, is the ability to apply knowledge in the correct way. We have knowledge, but we have to apply it correctly. So that's the law of wisdom. G- wisdom begins with God. He's the beginning of wisdom. God is the source of wisdom. I've made a decision, and we should have made a decision that if God said it, it is settled. I know that, you know, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, it doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's settled. Once God said it, it's settled. You might as well just agree with him. And so the law of wisdom works that way. We have to go to his word. We have to go to what he has said. We have to go to the 66 volumes of information that he has given to us that will help us secure life on planet earth. And so that's the law of wisdom. Then we talked about the the law of sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. You plant seeds in your life. Bible tells us, God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. Whatever you sow, you reap. Your words are ways that you can sow seed. 
Your actions are a way that you sow seed. If you give kindness, kindness comes back. Your attitude is a way that you can plant seeds in your life. And those, that planting of those seeds brings harvest into your life. And because of that, and this is so important, and, and, and man, I, 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 never mind, I'm just going to re-preach the whole message and I can't do that because there's other stuff that we got to talk about. So we have the law of faith, the law of wisdom, the law of seed time and harvest. And then last week we used this, not, well, we, we talked about a particular kind of bamboo. It's the Chinese bamboo. And once the Chinese bamboo begins to grow, it will grow 80 feet in six weeks. And that's impressive. And it's like, man, that's what we want. We want that kind of growth. We want that kind of increase in our lives. It's like, God, man, God, just boom, zap us, you know, kind of a thing. It causes us to grow just incrementally, just in, in a huge way. But what we learned about this particular plant is that the first four years of its existence, nothing happens. You plant the seed and you take care of the seed and you take care of the soil and nothing at all happens. At least nothing happens that you can see. But in the unseen part, underneath the ground, that seed is beginning to send out a root structure deep into the earth, and it is pulling nutrients out of that ground, and it's developing a structure so that in the fifth year, it can support 80 feet of growth in six weeks. And so while we see with our natural eyes, man, that thing grew 80 feet in six weeks. In reality, it grew 80 feet in five years. And so the law of time and the law of discipline says that God doesn't settle up on the, at the end of the week or the, at the end of the month. That there are things that he wants to work out of our life. Sometimes he wants to work things into our life. And so we never judge the day by the harvest that we receive. We need to judge the day by the seeds that we plant. Because God is going to do something in due time, it says in Galatians, we will reap a harvest if we don't quit. So don't judge the day by the harvest, judge the day by the seeds that you plant because your seed planting time, what you do intentionally in planting seed, that is what secures the future, if you will. We don't plant seeds to take care of the past, we plant seeds to take care of the future, which now brings me to the last one. And, and in my opinion, I have said you know, every week that these, there isn't one law that is greater than the other or more important than the other. They all work together. And I hope that you can see that just in that little review that we talked about. But I want to talk to you about words today. Words. Can you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? I want to talk to you about words today because they are so important. And this is another one of those laws that we really don't fully appreciate and understand because we've been using words our entire life. And we have a tendency sometimes to, to undervalue the power that is there. In the book of Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, we read these words. Proverbs 4.23, the New Living Translation says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart, not, that's not the blood pump, that is your spirit. Guard your spirit, guard the inside of you. Your spirit is the power source of life. And so he says, guard your heart, why? Because it determines the course of your life. Your heart is like a navigational system now. We live in a germ-phobic society. Do you, I don't know if you realize this. Or, I'm sure you do. I mean, when I was a kid, if I grabbed an apple off the, the shelf, I, you know, I, I, in our kitchen when I was a kid growing up, man, if I just rubbed it on my dirty pants a little bit, I, that was clean. I mean, that's good enough. We did, there was no such thing as a five-second rule if it hit the floor. 
It was just pick it up, put it back on the plate or eat it. Didn't even think twice about it. I have learned now the five second rule depends on the value of what fell on the floor. If it's broccoli, forget it. If, if it's a piece of steak, you know, you know, whatever it might be, that's fine. Hey, you know, blow it off a little bit. But we live, and so some people would not ever think about consuming a fruit or a vegetable or anything without making sure that it is bathed in the right chemical solution to make sure that whatever possibly could have gotten onto it, and, and, and I'm not, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, you know, it's probably a good idea. Uh, but I kind of, if I like this, that's good enough for me kind of a thing. So anyway, don't judge me, all right? Don't judge me. And I won't judge you for your fear. But anyway, <laughs> but here's my point. We understand something, right? That whatever might be in that broccoli, whatever might be in whatever it is that we're about to consume, there could be chemicals, pesticides, there could be, ger- who knows what could be on that stuff. And so I'm talking myself into actually washing stuff now because I think about it, it's like, yeah, it's probably not a bad idea. So, but, but here's what we understand. We understand that even though we don't see something, there could be something there that if we ingest it, if we put it into our mouth, chew it up, swallow it, it gets down into our system, our digestive system, whatever it is that was on that chemicals, pesticides, it begins to be released into our entire bodies, doesn't it? And so because of that, because we are aware of those things, we clean our fruit, vegetables, and stuff like that because we know what we eat. It becomes a part of us. Well, similarly, similarly, the words of our mouth work in a similar fashion. Listen to Proverbs 4.23 in the message. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep vigilant watch over your heart because that's where life starts. Your life starts on the inside. And this is good news for a lot of us. This is like first, uh, third John chapter t- verse two, where it says that you will increase as your soul increases. When your soul increases, you're in charge of the increase of your soul. That is something you can do on purpose, and it is the increasing of our soul that brings the other increase into our life. Well, similarly, he says, again, keep diligent watch over your heart because that's where life starts. Your life starts here. That's where the power is. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Avoid. Here's part of guarding your heart. Avoid careless banter, white lies, and gossip. God is connecting something here. And you need to know this. This is part of the law of words. God is connecting your heart and your words, your heart and your mouth. And our heart determines the course of our life, and words have a part to play in that. There's a connection between the two. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 and verse 43, A good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Now, he's he's giving us something, again, an example of something we understand to illustrate something that we may not understand. And so he said that that a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit, etc. Verse 44, every tree is known by its own fruit. If you walked by a tree and it had apples on it, you would recognize that that's what kind of a tree. Now, you might not know the, the particular persuasion of apple. It might be a Granny Smith apple. might be a Pink Lady Smith. might be a, a Red Delicious. We, we may not know exactly what kind of apple that is, but we recognize the tree because of the fruit. And that's what Jesus is saying. So, again, every tree is known by its own fruit. Men do not gather figs from thorns. How many of you know what buckthorn is? I had somebody tell me one time, I said, I, said, I don't know what buckthorn is, and, and, and I've... I've 
been hearing a lot about it. And, and he said, well, if it's like November-ish and, and all the trees are, have lost their leaves and it's gray and brown and all that stuff, and you look out into the woods and you see something with green leaves on it, I go, yeah? He goes, that's buckthorn. <laughs> that's buckthorn. And it is a problem. It is, it is invasive and it's thorny and it's a pain in whoever happens to have it on their land because it's difficult to get rid of. And so he said here, he said, men don't gather figs from thorns. You don't go out to a buckthorn bush and expect to find an apple on there, right? Again, this is all stuff that we take for granted and that we understand. Men do not gather figs from thorns, they don't gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, or in like manner, likewise, a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. An evil man, from the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil notices. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Whatever's on the inside of you is going to show up in your words. Whatever's on the, now now this is far beyond. This is far beyond, please hear me this morning. This is far beyond just making sure you don't cuss. All right? This is far beyond just saying nice things to people. This is far beyond that. There's a principle that Jesus is wanting to alert us to, that somehow the combination of our words and our heart is able to direct the course of our life. And that much of the harvest of our life is determined by the words that have proceeded forth from our heart, because out of the abundance of our heart, whatever's in our heart in abundance will come out of our mouth. In James chapter 3. Verse 2, this is the new living. It says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. I'm even say amen. Look at the person next to you and say, he's talking about you here. All right? You're living proof the Bible is true. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean perfect. It means mature. It means, it means uh, full grown. If we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and we could control ourselves in every other way. He gives us an illustration now. Again, he's saying, if I can control my tongue, I can control my life. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way. Just like a bit in a horse's mouth, just like a a, a captain of a ship with a little rudder, even though the wind is blowing one way, that rudder on the ship will determine the direction of the ship in the same way. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. There's power in your tongue. And just like A bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder on a ship can determine the direction of a big horse or a big ship. There's something common between those two. And that is the person that might be pulling on the reins or the person that is controlling the rudder. Listen to this scripture and then we're going to talk about it. When you put these together, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth could have taken some time to look at things that Jesus said, look at things that James said, said that, you know, a, 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 you know that a, a fountain can't produce both bitter water and sweet water. He's talking about your heart. It, both things shouldn't proceed from the inside of you. Don't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Set a guard over your heart. There's a connection between your words and protecting your heart. There's a connection. They says if we can control our tongue, we can control our life. 
If we can control our words, we control our direction or the direction of our life. And whatever is in your heart will come out of your mouth. Whatever's in your heart in abundance will come out of your mouth. Listen, to, listen I, I believe this, that God has created, I don't know how to explain it exactly, but God has created your heart and your mouth to be in tune with each other. God wants your heart the part of you that's been recreated by the Spirit of God, he wants your heart and your mouth to be in tune with each other. Listen to what the psalmist said. This is Psalms 19, 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Lord, let what I think about the meditation of my heart, what I think about deep on the inside and the words of my mouth be acceptable to you. Now, that's more than just, you know, that's more, again, than just talking nicely. Again, understand that what's in my heart in abundance is what's going to come out of my mouth. And what comes out of my mouth in the combination of my heart is going to direct the course of my life. And so, Lord, let my mouth and my heart be in agreement with each other so that I do what you want me to do. So that I live the way that you want me to live. And so the law of words, and, and, and again, uh, we could spend weeks and weeks talking about this, and maybe we will, but I, wanna, I hope I'm making you thirsty or hungry to know just a little bit more of, of this. And so let my words be what you want, Lord, because they direct my heart. Listen to the, one more scripture, James 1.26. I shouldn't say one more because I got a bunch more, but this is just sort of the warming up part here. James 1.26 says, if anyone among you thinks that he's religious... This isn't a good text. If you think that you're a follower of Christ, if you think you're really doing good, if he thinks he's religious but does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart. Now remember, your tongue, this is James, your tongue is like the reins of a horse in the hands of a horseman. Your tongue is like the rudder of a ship in the hands of a pilot. And he says, if you don't bridle your tongue, remember Proverbs, don't speak out of both sides of your mouth. If you don't bridle your, your tongue, you can deceive your heart. You can deceive your heart. And your heart determines the course of your life. And so let's talk about this for a couple of minutes. Why are words so important? And, I, and as I've thought about this, and I, I've tried to use ways to illustrate this to you and some of these things that we've talked about before. But number one, this is why this is important. Think about it this way. Your words are containers. All right? What's in this bottle? Water. It is a container for water. And, 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 you know, assuming that, I mean, it, it is good water. It is some high quality H2O right here in this water. Or right here in this bottle. Your words are containers. Your words can be filled with something. Jesus said this in John 6, 63. It was a long portion of scripture here. But Jesus said to the disciples and the people around him, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and their life. He, he's, he's, he's ministering, he's preaching, he's talking, and this is where he kind of gets, in, in their opinion, a little bit weird because he said, you know, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you don't have any part of me. And, and this is after he had fed the, the multitude and, and, and people were excited about getting filet of fish sandwiches and all the stuff that they were getting. But then Jesus said, if you want to be a follower of mine, you're going to have to eat my body and drink my blood. And there are some people like, man, this is too extreme. This is, I can't take this. And they began to leave. And as they began to leave, <clears throat> then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, are you guys going to leave also? Peter said, where else are we going to go? 
because only you have the words of life. Peter recognized that the words of Jesus were different than the words of other religious people. He recognized there was a different power. There was something in his words that was missing somewhere else. Jesus, again, he tells them that the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. My words contain spirit and they contain life. And I believe that when you put the words of spirit and life together, that equals faith. When words begin to be touched by the spirit of God, the life that's in those words become anointed or become empowered, faith begins to arise in the heart of the listener. So your words, you, you, just like the, the captain of a ship, just like the horseman, you have a choice about what you fill your words with. You can fill your words. Your words can be full of stuff that will enhance the dreams of people around you or they can crush the dreams of people around you. Your words can be filled with life that encourages your children and your words can be filled with death that discourages your children. You have a choice of what your words will be filled with. And remember, faith is a result of hearing and receiving information. And what I do with that information then determines whether or not it helps to set the course for my life. So words are container, containers. In Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10, this is how you got saved. This is how you made Jesus the Lord of your life. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, Again, my words and my heart are connected. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Well, that seems too simple. That seems just that too elementary. So, you know, we, religion, has added things to that. You know, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is Lord and quit smoking, quit drinking, quit going, quit chewing, quit going with girls that chew, all that stuff. If we quit, 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 then you're saved. No, he said that the power, there's enough power in what you believe in your heart and say with your mouth to cause salvation to come into your spirit. And then he says in verse 10, for with the heart one believes. This is why it's the power source. This is why it sets the direction. Because you believe with your heart. For with the heart, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It is that action. And so if I take the time to fill my words with God's words, if I take the time to fill my mouth with God's words that are spirit and life, it will affect my heart. So words are containers. What are you going to fill your words with? Another thing about words is that words have the ability to create. They are creative. Words will create images. Words will create pictures. Words have the ability to create. It says in the book of Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, the New Living Translation says, the tongue can bring life or death. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Now, that's a little bit of a negative thing. But consequences can be positive. There could be positive consequences. And so, again, as he says, the tongue, the tongue, the tongue, what I say has the ability to create life. It has the ability to create death. Here's another one. This is the most important one, I think, and it kind of combines these things, is that your heart is a canvas. Your heart is a canvas that words paint vision on. 
Your heart is a canvas. It's, it's, it's a, a kind of a mirror that reflects what direction your life will go. And because your heart is a canvas, that words and information, what you say and what you hear can paint on, you need to be very careful who you give the paintbrush of your life to. Listen to this scripture in the book of James, or, uh, James 1.23. says this, If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. This morning you're looking in a mirror. You're hearing... God's word, and you're hearing what life perhaps could be. You're hearing things about God. You're hearing things about, uh, about your future, all of those things. And it's, it's like you're looking in a mirror. It says in verse 24, he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. You look in a mirror, you see what you look like, and you walk away, and you forget. You've received information, but that information doesn't stick. You've received an image or a picture, but that image or that picture, it does not stick because of competing information in your life, competing vision, if you will. Your heart is a canvas, and your heart is designed to produce what is in it. I don't know if this is making sense to you or not, but your heart is designed to produce. Your heart is designed with power in mind, power to create and power to, to enable you to do what God says that you can do. It will create the path. And so, as he said, if, if you hear the word and, not, and don't do it, you're like a person who observes his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself. He goes away and he forgets the kind of man that he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. Everybody say continue. This is the law of discipline. This is the law of time. I'm going to continue looking at this even though I don't fully comprehend it, even though I'm not 100% sure. I'm gonna keep digging. I'm gonna keep searching. I'm gonna keep examining. This is how the apostle Paul prayed. He prayed that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light. Not these eyeballs, but that the eyes of our heart would be flooded with light so that we could see and know and experience the hope of his calling. What are the glory of the riches of the inheritance that we have as children of God? He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work of this one will be blessed in what he does. I hope you've seen full circle. I get information. That's faith. Or that's the potential for faith. I decide that that information is true. And I want to keep hearing more because the more that I hear, the more words that I hear, the more information that I receive, the clearer that image that is painted on my heart becomes. Now, I want to talk about that more, but I can't. And so, and so how does something get into our heart? How does something get in there? Boy, we could spend a lot of time talking about that. The words that we speak and the words that we hear. That's how things get into our heart. Information is received. We talk about things. And the more we speak those things and hear those things, the clearer the image becomes in our heart. You may have received information over your lifetime. I said it the last couple of weeks that you're a loser. And everything in your life may have added up to, I'm a loser. I, I, I'm just, I just, I have luck, but it's all bad luck. And that may be the picture, the image, the vision. So tomorrow night we're going to talk about something that's along this line. It would be kind of an addendum to this, but, it, but it's so powerful in our life. And so 
we need to take time. This is renewing the word, renewing our mind with God's word. We need to take time to begin to reassemble, get rid of, first of all, disassemble, then reassemble the vision of our heart and of our life. And so how does something get into our heart? We speak it and we hear. So, Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse four, let me try to put this all together because there is a horseman, there is a pilot of a ship, a captain of a ship, and there's a person with a paintbrush. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4, it says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means that the weapons, the battle, the fight that we fight, the fight that Christians fight is not won or lost by your MMA skills. They are not won or lost by your ability to do karate, kung fu, or whatever it might be. It isn't a fist fight. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to pulling down strongholds. Now, I know that we've had teaching that is not totally wrong, but it's been, the emphasis has been in the wrong place because we thought strongholds are these demonic things over cities and over whatever. And, and there's an element of truth to that, but the way Paul is using this particular scripture, he's saying that there are strongholds right here. There's strongholds in your thinking. And it's because of resu- it's the result of information that you have received. It's the result of knowledge that you've had over your lifetime. And again, that knowledge could come from grandma. It could come from a pastor. It could come from your experience. It could come from a lot of different things. And as I keep saying, that, that becomes either your greatest asset or your greatest liability. And so again, he says that the, the, the weapons that God gives us are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Try to put all this together in in a nice little bag for you this morning. You have knowledge, you have information, you have stuff that you've heard. And you've had God's stuff that you've heard. And this knowledge of life is trying to usurp authority in your life and it battles against the knowledge of God. That's that battle that goes back and forth. I believe, but help my unbelief. I want to believe. I want better, but but and and then you know Tuesday, Sunday, you're excited. Tuesday, you're you're defeated. It goes back and forth and back and forth. God has given us a weapon. He has given us weapons, the weapons of our warfare, and they're mighty through Him, and they will help pull down the strongholds that are in your mind. So we say as a church, we want you to experience freedom, but that freedom happens many times. It happens in a in a study around the Word of God. Doesn't necessarily happen on a Sunday morning. It happens as we renew our mind in in small groups to to the word of God. And we encourage that. It's iron sharpening iron. So I need to finish with this. And as to the law of use, I mentioned it. uh, I have not gotten into it a whole lot. But in the the book of Matthew chapter 25, everyone who uses, go ahead, you're going to give an account. In Matthew 25, and I encourage you to read the story, but everyone who uses what he has will get more. Everyone who uses what he has. We've talked about seven laws that you have. You have gifts and you have talents, you have abilities that God has given to you. Everyone who uses what he has, this is the law of increase. This is the law of sowing and reaping. Everyone who uses what he has is going to get more. He will have much more than he needs. But the one who does not use what he has will have everything taken away from him. Well, that's not fair. No, that's a law. That is a law that works for you or against you. For the last five weeks, we've been giving you knowledge. Been hopefully trying to give you some understanding. Now it's up to you. 
Paul planted, Apollos watered, God gives the increase. Now it's up to you. What are you going to do with the knowledge that you have? Well, that was good, Pastor Brian. What's coming next week? No, this needs to be put into practice in your life. We've got a weekend planned. We've got a, a service tonight, tomorrow night, that hopefully will help to, 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 to put that together. But here's the point in Matthew chapter 25 was that the master entrusted the servant with certain things that he expected an increase and a return from. You and I are gonna stand before the Lord one day and give an account for how we were stewards of the information and the knowledge that we have. You say, what did you do with those laws? Did you let those laws work in your life? Did you increase so that you could increase people around you? Benefit and bless them? Because that's ultimately his plan. So with the heart we believe, with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. With your heads bowed and with your eyes closed this morning, if you're here today, and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord or your Savior, you may have tried all kinds of different things to get better, be better, be nicer, be a Christian, but the most powerful thing that can happen is when you surrender your way to God's way. If you believe today in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and make a simple confession with your mouth that he is Lord, the Apostle Paul, the word of God says, you'll be saved. So if you're here today and you've never taken that step of faith and you want to today, you want to operate a spiritual law and say, Pastor, I want to get saved today. I want to make Jesus Lord. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand real high because I want to pray for you and pray with you. Anyone at all? Yes, sir, thank you. Anyone else this morning who wants to start in a sense over? Anyone else this morning? Yes, sir, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else today? Hallelujah. I want you all to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> I believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus, you're my Lord. I believe today that's enough for my sin to be forgiven, my past to be erased, and a brand new life to be born on the inside of me. I receive that today. I believe that today. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we would love to hear about it. Please email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.